0: BLOB TALK RADIO Good morning. This is your host, Lorraine Nightheart. You've reached Venus Unplugged. And what we do here is we explore the realm of Venus, the archetype of Venus, uh, personal love, uh, and certainly her sidekick Eros, which is the... Eros is the god of, of love and it's also the one that connects us all to one another. So last week, um, what did we work on this? Oh, we did the oh, Tour of Duty of the Underworld initiations. So I thought, well, all right, Well, right, let's balance that out with a little bit of wisdom from the Kabbalah. Now, for those that don't know what the Kabbalah is or you've heard it, the Kabbalah is a mystical system. There's both the Christian Kabbalah and Jewish Kabbalah. Um, And beliefs are the same, they just have a different way of coming about it. All right, so in the Kabbalah, there is the tree of life. And on this tree of life are various paths. And these paths lead to uh, levels of consciousness. Right? So, but there are also four worlds. So there's worlds within worlds. And the genius of Kabbalah, for those of you that want to take that on, plan to spend the rest of your life with it, if so. Um, Kabbalah, at least my experience, was it, it helped me and continues to help me To really refine my mind and my thinking, although it's deeply emotional and feeling and consciousness, it's also a system of magic. I mean, it just, it's huge, Kabbalah, it's teachings and deep. But it's also their path of how do we become, as human beings, wise so we don't change our perception. And we're not going to change our perception by just repeating um, something again and again and again. You know, it takes work, and it takes being able to understand the subtleties of what life is about. Now, those are the teachings of the Kabbalah. I mean, it's really an amazing system. But I just want to go over a few things because we are approaching a season, a time, an epic change, where we are going to be asked to grow, invited to grow even more so, and uh, in, in that request, both internally and externally for growth, because that's the only thing that's going to change the world that we want to change so much, is, is not just accept the way we think is just, the way we think, and that's our truth, and that's the way that it is. There's so many subtleties in being able to perceive and not get caught up in all the um, nonsense, and uh, people are always putting uh, images and signs in front of people to believe, and some people just take and say, "Oh yeah, that sounds good. I think I'll take that." And, and, and without questioning, so we need to learn to question need to learn to look. What are we perceiving? So I want to look at the, the issue of pride, right? So, you know, very often with children can can feel especially hurt by unfairness over issues, uh, sometimes of, of lending and borrowing. Now it's mine. Now you give me that. I gave you a candy. You give me two. That kind of stuff. And we all have that child within us. So we want to begin to look at where is... The immaturity, you know, or the childlike way of perceiving, where we need a little more wisdom. So, in this Kabbalistic uh, teachings, right, regarding hatred, so there's four types of people. So, why am I talking about hatred? Because we all have a little of it somewhere, or we are the object of it somewhere. And in order not to respond in ways that are comic producing we respond with wisdom, which is very hard-earned. But it is worth it, because once we start on that path of wisdom, beauty and wisdom and truth, whatever we learn, we have for all of eternity. So it does, it's not lost from one incarnation into another. So with regarding uh, hatred, there's, there's like four types of people. And one who is, easily, is easy to provoke and easy to appease, uh, where the negative is neutralized by the positive. And the second is one who is difficult to provoke and also difficult to appease, where the positive is neutralized by the negative. And one who is difficult to provoke and easy to appease, this one is the sage. And the one who is easy to provoke and difficult to appease, this one is the wicked. And um, so we, we need to say, okay, so which one am I? What's going on? i mean, you know you. Don't assume other people know. They're... they're, they're they're looking at different aspects of your personality, or just you know, particularly if you're having a conflict with somebody. You know, we all get to be cyclopses; we just have one eyeball in the center of our forehead, and we think that's the way. But what what the refinement of wisdom? If you're going to take that step, it 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 reminds me of uh, in the myth with Psyche when she's handed a big. mound of mixed seeds, these little baby seeds, and she has to start sorting them. So that's kind of like an image of when we're going for wisdom, which is never by rote. It's a way of being, right? So these examples are how, what are we dealing with? What are we dealing with within ourselves? You know, are we the The fool? So the personalities, uh, if we look at it in another way, let me give another example here. Nothing refers to a person who is totally lost and who is easily provoked and just as easily appeased. He carries out two tasks, that of getting angry and that of having to calm down. In fact, he's nothing. um, Since he's always creating problems for himself, that he can easily solve. His rancor is small, but his loss of time and energy belong to those who are, who are carried and swept away by life. He has little space for growth. Well, there are lots of people like that. The fool is a person rarely provoked and rarely appeased. This type of individual understands that we should not uh, easily subject ourselves to provocation. He apparently... Um, has always internalized a posture allowing few of life situations to provoke him. But this is a rational, external posture. Since once provoked, he cannot find ways to sublimate the provocation. So good luck to the mask, right? He is called a fool uh, because to remain unaffected. Such is the case of many people who are socially repressed by their upbringing and, and become prisoners of their impulses. And then and their ethics and their belief systems, right? They argue and theorize, but cannot live out what they apparently know and believe. Now, the situations of the wicked and the sage, obvious. The former loses himself in a swamp of rancor, while the latter wanders through the orchard. The wise one has a deep reading of reality, which in itself hinders a provocation and also gives himself to the capacity to quickly adjust life situations and control himself easily. So you're getting a sense of the pulse and the weaving because one these four trees or four worlds, one can lead to another. So it gets really complicated in there. So when we can begin to, especially when we're trying to work out something, if we're in conflict with somebody, you know, if if it was that easy, that right and wrong, uh, there'd be world peace, but it's not that easy. So we are saying, okay, and we can be any one of these. Sometimes a few of them at the same time. Or we can have a strong belief, but when someone pisses us off, we can't hold to that belief. We have to justify it. So why is that happening? It's because we believe, but we don't have the shift in perception of what are we seeing, what is going on here. And this is part of what the Kabbalah um, teaches is the constant reflection, the constant... Uh, and, and often brutal uh, inner truth. What am what I really up to here? Nobody else has to know. You just have to know. And the world will know when uh, you can walk in, in dignity and wisdom. So also what happens is that with these different types of, particularly uh, the fool who, who has a sense that there's something going on, <clears throat> and um, protects themselves, but of some a situation in life and life on life's terms. You know, we love the heavens, we love the universe, we love all that stuff. But we are here on Earth, and we're moving through matter and planes of existence and invisible worlds within worlds uh, that we need safe passage through. And if it can't be safe, let it be interesting, because we need to grow. And then also, we have the inner worlds, so we 're much more complicated than we could ever imagine. So I wanted to start looking at pride. What is the nature of pride? because sometimes we don 't even realize uh, that it 's driving us, or we 're in a situation and you realize what is it what 's going on here why, why can 't I get through this person or why can 't they um, See, my point of view, uh, pride. So we all have it to some degree. And sometimes it can be a tremendous blockage to our development, but we don't know it. So we need to be able to look. And as I said, the, you know, the, the, life is changing so rapidly now and much is going to be demanded of people that are capable. They're going to be called forth, like, okay, so how much do you know, and how can we keep ourselves in in balance? So pride is one of the most important ways uh, that people store their their anger and their rancor, Uh, because we're always under its influence, whether we realize it or not. And that's where the justifications for maintaining many of our grudges come from. If you've got a grudge, it's, it's going to rule, unless you can start learning how to perceive and look at this um, and not that black and white, right or wrong, above, below world uh, that is so limited. Because the more you can open to possibilities and really develop, your thinking process, not just opinions. Opinions are just something what somebody else says. You've got no business uh, with, if, if you want to be conscious or you want to be whole to just repeat opinions. What does it mean to you? Because when you die in the Lords of Karma say so, how'd you do? Uh, what are you going to give them an opinion? My mother said, my father said, the lawyer said, you know, no. You're going to learn this refinement. So, you know, many people believe that humility is the opposite of pride, when in fact, humility is a point of equilibrium. That's with the tension of the opposites, and we get in the center of the tension and then the humility comes. The opposite of pride is actually lack of self-esteem, So fascinating. This is what the Kabbalah. It's like there's a refinement of perception. It's like a, a needle point that goes right to the heart of the matter. And a humble person is totally different from a person who cannot recognize uh, and appreciate himself as part of the world's marvels. Isn't that glorious? You're part of the world's marvels you could feel that, great or small, it doesn't matter. It's kind of awe-inspiring. So his attitude is very different uh, from someone full of pride and totally centered on himself. How do we know there's pride? Pretty simple. If we, we see it in another, so that's how we see in ourselves. So pride induces the belief that we're right. That's it. I'm right. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And it's hindering the ability to compare and contrast uh, situations from different perspectives than one's own uh, preformed opinions and judgments. So pride is like painting with one color. It's like, well, can't you just see the differences? No, it's like it's all blue. You just see blue. So that's what it's, what it's about. It's like being able to say, okay, I mean, I, I, I love you know to have this point of view and be absolutely right no matter what and can't they see and walk in my shoes and do all this stuff, but and this is the quickest way not to be creating more karma. We have enough for a lifetime. This helps us you know, the, even pride is. when, You know, when when someone says, "Oh well, you know, they'll they'll get theirs," which is basically, it's a it's a secret or a subtle or not so subtle curse that you know they'll they'll get their revenge. The divine will revenge on them. You don't know that. The person may be working it out. They may be starting it. Uh, we we don't know the beginning or the end of that. So, stay away from that statement. You know, or well, what comes around goes around. Well. That's a wish for revenge. That may be true. That may not be true. We don't know. But we don't want to get on that bandwagon because we go to the revenge. And then what's behind the revenge? Envy. So when you see your own motivation for that, secretly you want the person to suffer. So that's the beauty of these mystical teachings. They're hard to live out but at least we can begin to look a little bit. So pride induces us that, that you know, we're right, so we don't have this ability to compare and, and contrast situations and different perspective than, than just what we think is so of our opinions and our judgments. And the pride that uh, I'm talking about here is invisible. It's, it's a pride that infiltrates our hearts by way of self-esteem which is a normal human feeling. But if the opposite of pride is lack of self-esteem, see, that's the kingpin. That we can do something about. Then we know, okay, pride isn't going to get me anything except feeling rotten. So, But if I can work on my self-esteem... Because one of the things also, with with, you know, if you unwittingly or wittingly point out someone's shadow, they're coming at you. It's it's like they could be shot out of a cannon because you named it. You put a finger on and you named the, the weakest point that on some level they know it's true, but it's way too early in the game of life for them to face that. Now, if they have enough or at least a, a desire for knowledge, they're going to go, like, why did I have such a strong reaction? When you have a reaction like that, that's it's so powerful that you can't stop yourself. And, of course, you can't take words back once you say them. Uh, therein lies a complex. So we need to be able to look at where is the pride and more important, where is the low self-esteem that I don't feel worthy of the capacity to be human? And also being worthy to be forgiven by yourself, being worthy of making mistakes, being worthy of de- de- discovering who we are. So, you know, building pride, it doesn't need any, any great foundations, People can have pride of, of all sorts of things. Because pride and denial very often are in the same sentence. So, but all types of pride, the pride of a person who thinks he's growing as a human being, that's the worst. Because, <laughs> now, beginner's mind it is natural to do a little bit of showing off, well, know, you know, as if they just discovered, you know, numbers. Uh, and that's in some ways childlike, you know. Okay, so the person has to, like, carry on in that particular way. That's not really pride. That's more uh, immaturity. But but the ones who are on the highest authority. So this, this is, that one's a hard one. So pride in the case of... Uh, like a treacherous trap. It's it's a it's when the person gains a feeling of superiority from his growth and he creates an obstacle to further growth because of the pride. Instead of saying Okay, I learned that and that goes into the self esteem part because I can see uh, and feel blessed and honored that I can perceive and have a slight insight into uh, life. But I don't, I don't know. and I don't know for others. We have a full-time job uh, working out our own stuff. So there's, there's no worse pride than the pride of the pious, which is true. They just, I have it on the highest authority of my belief systems or my sector, my whatever, knows everything and everybody else just doesn't know. So, and also if we can recognize what is motivating a person, we don't have to get caught in their game. We can just walk by. Say a person, if they knew better, they would do better, uh, but they can't. So, you know, we really all need to learn to see through his or her supposed piety, you know, within ourselves and within others. And the pride of a pious person is a pride felt by one who sanctifies himself because he does not feel uh, self-centered. So it's like, no, I have this and, you know, but secretly, it's the ingredients. What's really going on here? What am I feeling? Or why is or someone is, you know, reciting something, or giving, giving bad advice. And there's a part that like, get away from me. Well, why does, or, or I feel shame. It's a prideful person. You're inferior. You should have no self-esteem. Or it's an inner voice. It could be the negative animus or animal. So the biggest trap, for people trying to invest in personal and spiritual growth, so during the process of self-affirmation, which is important to do, it's so crucial to an awakening, and so we are systematically tempted by the forces of pride. It's a tri- It's like it's, I've seen it again and again. I certainly have done it, in, in, you know when I began my my own growth. It was like, oh, I I know this, wow. And then uh, it's not going to last a lifetime because it's just a little, it's a dot in the whole cosmos. So we come up, you know, against this in all sorts of ways. And living as we do in a period of great transition, we need to really understand, you know, self-knowledge. So when institutions or ideology, uh, there's no space for investing in our lives, except via personal growth, which is why so much personal growth is happening is the the traditional systems are falling short, and they're also because they've kept their secrets, they've kept the mystical aspect separate. People are longing to experience this this kind of truth and much more willing than ever since we've bantered around enough Jungian terms um, of shadow and discovering and we, we are looking at that. How does this work, right? So when you, when, you, when you discover an aspect of your own shadow which needs to be transformed, right, or uh, an aspect of shadow in somebody else, well, what are you going to do with it? Just to say, it's shadow. No, it's got to be transmuted. So sometimes oh, go, Morgana, please, Morgana, Fatima, Morgana is my Egyptian male cat who loves to walk across this computer. I just had enough trouble with Mercury retrograde having me kind of reconnect. I kind of love Mercury retrograde because it shows you where the holes are. Like, oh, got to get to that. Got to fix that. Uh, it's going to bring greater trouble if I don't do it right now. So we need to understand that, and pride is a form of envy. Because envy is one of the root causes of so much trouble. So pride is characteristic of envy uh, when we try to grow, merely hoping to create, you know, capital, so to speak respect and influence, you know. Uh, This is how the fool most often becomes wicked and how jealousy becomes envy. And at the end is the capacity to find internal happiness, to develop a pleasing relationship with oneself that we don't don't have to be so concerned about others. I was always curious specifically, phrase that just would make me shudder until one day I said, you know, you got to really explore this, and why does it make you shudder, shudder? and it's, uh, you know, no good turn goes unpunished, that used to freak me out, why are you saying that, it was so, seemed so daunting, and then as I, it took me a, it took me a good six months to really work on it, what is this, what is this, and then I realized, you see, what provokes envy, and pride is the soul made of, of envy, is when we do good, whatever that might be, we provoke envy somewhere because envy hates the good it feels when a person is filled with envy or even just a little kind of almost like natural envy. And so it, this, it's... It's powerful to to do good, or to be generous, or to be kind. Now, why? Because it provokes envy, and we don't. You know, we can't innocently just go, do. Oh well, I just wanted to be helpful. You know, well, that we we got to be wise. We can sometimes. I'll do something, and I know, oh, you know, this is. You know, this is exactly what I'm being told to do. This is exactly I'm what I am. I'm on this earth for. But I'm going to pay for this, not in a negative way. I'm just going to pay because I know somewhere along the line it's going to produce envy. Now, sometimes you can give to somebody, and their envy isn't really thankful. It's like, wow, if they could give me this, could you imagine how much more they have? Or you give them your best and they think, you know, you're giving them less. So whatever, whatever kind of, that, that shadow response. So the punishment comes. So when we are doing something that we consider good, okay, then we can say, okay, so th- this may return in its shadow form. And I will recognize it. I am not going to get hurt by it. I'm going to see it because that's how powerful goodness is. It's because it's powerful. It's not because it was the wrong action. But it's naive to believe that in some way it's not going to have its opposite effect. And that's the greatest for emotional and spiritual development. There's always opposites above and below. It's not all good and all bad. It responds. It reacts. And as I said with the Kabbalah, there's four worlds. And so this is kind of the constant refinement. And if you, you know, if you, it's, it's a language, and it also teaches you how to perceive, not just give you a set of rules. Because once you open to any anything like this, you know, any form of es- esoteric knowledge, um, whether you're a beginner or whatever, or advanced, whatever it may be, it starts acting in your world, and it, and you can't stop it. So in terms of pride being able to say, Okay, where you know, or at the end of the day where we'll, we can we can look over our day and then we think, Oh, um, I was so wonderful today. Make sure that there wasn't pride going on there because the humility which is self-esteem wow i was i was a, a servant i was um i gave out of the goodness of the heart of wisdom or venus guided me to to be kind give that up don't take it for yourself because you get rewarded in other ways as a human being and human standards so just a couple of things to think about. So the pride of the pious is pride uh, that we really need to be careful of. Okay. Have a lot. Till next week. Bye-bye.